and welcome everybody to this week's Maternity and Midwifery Hour. And um, we're having a little education focus this week, which is fabulous. Um, my name's Sue MacDonald, and I'm the happy curator for the Maternity and Midwifery Hour and the Maternity and Midwifery Festivals. And it's my delight to be chairing this evening's session. Um, and I'm joined by two wonderful associate professors from Nottingham. Joanne Foster and Amanda Wayne. That's their Sunday night names, I'm told. So it's Joe and Mandy. And as always, what we do first thing is put both of our guests onto the spot and ask them for a moment of the week to share with us. So perhaps we could start with Joe with a moment of the week. Thank you very much, Sue. Uh, so my moment of the week has got to be that it is my wedding anniversary today. Uh, so the anniversary. Uh, <laughs> so one of the things as midwives is we need a very understanding partner. So, <laughs> so that's my, mo my moment of the week. And I'm sure we'll be celebrating after we finish tonight. Fabulous. Thank you. That's very special. Mm -hmm. should, I, should I ask you what number it is? It, it's 26 years. Oh, no, you must have been a child bride. <laughs> a baby. Oh, my goodness. Well, congratulations to you and your husband. Oh, how wonderful. Thank you. Very much. Thank you. Fabulous. Okay. Now, how about Mandy? Can you can you top Joe's Um moments? Well, um, probably not top, top trump that one, but my moment of the week, I'm very excited that at the weekend um, I'm going down to Cardiff with my daughter and we're going to see Ed Sheeran in concert on Saturday Ooh. night. So we're having a, a girly trip away and having an overnight stay. So oh, looking forward. I haven't been to a concert for years and, and I love I love sort of live music so yeah. this will be great to get back into the swing of that and do a bit of cheering. Fabulous, Fabulous. <laughs> I, I suspect there's going to be a lot of people listening or watching who are going to be green with envy for you so I hope you can have a wonderful time. With Looking daughter. forward to that, That's thank lovely. you. These are lovely family moments, fantastic, thank you so much. Well I just remind everybody where we started, I always like to do this we, you know, the maternity hour was born uh, nearly now three years ago at the beginning of the pandemic. And we were born really to help midwives, student midwives, people in maternity services really connect and have some continuing professional education or development um, in quite short, digestible bits. Because people were very busy, very stressed, obviously, with the beginning of the pandemic and still are to a certain extent, because, of course, it's still with us. They haven't said formally it's all over and we still know that our colleagues and some people are still getting ill with COVID. So we still need to be cautious, wear the mask when we need to and that sort of thing. Now, you, people who are regular viewers will know this. So forgive me if I'm boring about this, but this whole series of maternity and midwifery hours are looked after by Matflix and everything's kept in our sort of archive files. So if you need any information or updated um, presentations, if you're doing a, um, a dissertation or a project or your revalidation, this is where you need to go because you can get really good material, hot off the press, as it were, and it's all accessible, all free for, for, for everyone to access. And we love you to share. So if you... And, and I know that's part, I've got the revalidation on, on my brain, really. But if you're, you need to share things for your revalidation, reflection, you know, working together activities, this is perfect. And you can take it to work 
and say, let's watch this. Let's watch Joe and Mandy tonight or this afternoon when we've got a quiet, a quiet moment, <laughs> if only, um, and have a discussion because that's really important, I think, for midwives and student midwives, especially at this time, to be able to get that sharing um, as much as possible. Now, I just say the usual big thank you. Thank you to our midwives. Thank you to our student midwives and our maternity care support workers, our pediatricians, our obstetricians, all of our NHS colleagues that keep us all going in our fantastic NHS. And I'm, I'm really reinforcing this because one of the lovely things about the pandemic, there wasn't anything very lovely, but one lovely thing was people really grateful to the NHS and the NHS staff and really valued people for what they were doing. And I think it's important, especially at the moment, to just remember that and remember how important you all are to your the people you look after, your colleagues, to your family, obviously, because I think it gets forgotten sometimes. And especially at the moment when it's very stressful and difficult, you need to remember that and look after yourselves. Now, news. Now, I always have my little notes here as well. Now, this week, Monday was International Day to End Obstetric Fistula. I think we'll have to have something about that because we haven't covered that sort of thing for a while. Um, and on the 29th, we've got the International Day of UN Peacekeepers. And that's a really important thing to think about because it would be lovely to think of our world at peace. It's something that is difficult to think of at the moment with everything going on in the world, but maybe it'll happen and we can actually get on with life instead of being at war and in conflict. Okay, big news is the publication of the Black Maternity Experiences Survey. I have it there. And if you haven't read it, this is today's homework of the day because this, is, this was only launched yesterday by five X more, it's, it's spelt five X more, five, five times more, led by Tanuki and Chloe, who set up the five times more a couple of years ago. And it's very sobering reading. It's we really all need as midwives and student midwives and anyone in the maternity services need to really absorb and think about the findings because they're really quite worrying. They're really quite depressing if you're wanting to give a high quality care to all of the women and families that we serve and all the babies that we serve. And um, there were lots of, with the research included um, surveys, online surveys, and also in-depth interviews, which are, again, very sobering reading. Um, and there was many women who reported poor levels of care. And I won't go, I can't go into depth into it in hugely. Um, but, you know, one quote was, this is, the midwife said in a mocking manner, moments after I gave birth, we'll see you here next year anyway, which I felt was implying that because I'm Somali, I'll just end up giving birth every year. And then what, what, there was another one that was really shocking. Ah, first visit, a nurse said she was shocked that I knew who the father was, as people like me usually don't know. And this was by a black mum. And when you read this sort of thing that women are saying, it's really quite sad. But no, it's more than sad. It's very shocking. I, I always find it very shocking because these are what women are experiencing. And I think we really have to address it. We really have to look at ourselves and look at what we're saying. You know, something you might think is a, a, a throwaway remark. The woman is going to hear and she's going to be 
thinking, what does that mean for me? What, why is she talking to me in that way? What, you know, what, what does that mean as a mum? So I think there are some recommendations there. And I think I'm going to leave it to you for your homework. So we'll return to this next week because I think it's a really important report for us to absorb and use in our education. And I've got two lovely educationalists here, so I'm sure they, they're reading it cover to cover as well. Um, and also, um, the other bits of news we've got, that, and, and this is awful, this is awful as well, hearing about the 19 little children mm-hmm. and two teachers in Texas school, an elementary school killed by a young man for whatever reason, who knows what reason he had. And our thoughts have to be with that, the family and the friends of those victims. It's just horrendous. And when you hear about it, you can't comprehend. So all I would say to you is, you know, keep your loved ones really close. Give that extra hug. And I mean, please, God, this doesn't ever happen to anyone you know. It's just horrendous. I mean, the other thing is, of course, the ongoing cost of living crisis. It seems to be a very dire time. And and especially when you're hearing about care workers having to go to food banks, it's very depressing and we need to look out for each other and you need to keep an eye out for people who you think might be struggling a bit. So we're off the news now and we're going to go on to the main meat of the evening. And I'm really so, as a teacher, I love this. We're looking at midwifery education and we've got two lovely midwife educators, one who's going to share her experience of coming into education, another who's going to share a a kind of, I won't say it's typical project, but it's the sort of work that midwife educators or midwife teachers, midwife lecturers, however you call them, do. as part of their world and part of their lives. So I'm going to start by introducing Joe Foster. And Joe qualified as a nurse in 1994. She must have been so young. And she completed a BSc in midwifery and practiced in a range of clinical midwifery roles. And her passion for intrapartum care led her to practice in a leadership role as a labor suite coordinator. So she knows a lot about labor wards i know and she's a very active member of um, a newborn life support instructor with the uk resource council and her master's research was in preceptorship she's currently assistant professor in midwifery at the university of nottingham and she leads on the undergrad courses year two clinical practice year three enhanced maternity care and the postgrad course the examination newborn so she's pretty busy so welcome and thank you so much for coming, Joe, this evening to share your kind of transition experience and welcome. The screen is now yours. Thank you, Sue, for, for the thumbs up there. So, so yes, just an enormous thank you, Sue, for inviting me to come tonight. I was really thrilled that you asked me to come and share this experience. And I'm really hoping that after this session, there's going to be lots more midwives who want to come in to be at midwifery mm. teachers and midwifery <laughs> education. And I'm not going to put them off. <laughs> That's my hope. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, so I'm going to talk about my transition from clinical practice to education. Um, and um, to start off, I'm just going to sort of give you a little bit about me and why I became a midwife, really. And then what really inspired me to transition to education. Um, I'm going to talk a little bit about the learning curve because it was quite steep. And then a little bit about what happens with clinical practice. Uh, so hopefully that's going to be enough to sort of whet your appetites. Um, so this this is kind of my real passion about midwifery 
So this is a photograph of my family. Uh, this is Annie. She's my great-grandmother. Uh, and this is my grandmother, or Nanny, as I used to call her. She was born in Blackburn in 1916. Um, and a lot of our family stories are about these amazing men who went off to fight for their country in the First and Second World War. Um, but Annie had 14 children. Um, and yeah, and my other grandmother on, on my father's side, they had 18 children, she had 18 children. So I was always really fascinated because they had all their babies at home and, you know, they would have seen a big change because obviously the Midwife Act in 1902 would have come in and changed a lot of practice for midwives around that time. So I was always, I'd love to go back in time and just be able to ask them and talk to them. Um, because not really many of the stories are really told about them and, and you know, and what happened with their birth experiences. And, and as you've said tonight, Sue, you know, women never forget the birth experience. Um, and that brings me on to, to my birth. This is me. I was born in 1971. So just after the Peel report, um, where the recommendation was obviously for 100% hospital birth based on safety. Um, and it, it was up to the lovely Marjorie Chu in, in 1998 who really brought about our attention to the fact that that wasn't based on any robust evidence base. Um, so, you know, we, we've got a lot to, to sort of thank Marjorie for in exposing some of that information. Um, but my mum's experience was really not very compassionate at all either. Um, she went in at the end of a night shift, which is always a, a mistake, um, to a really frosty reception from the, from the midwives there. So it, she had a really, I think uh, both of her birth experiences were really lacked a lot of compassion. And, and comments and things were said to her that she's never forgotten. Um, but then, you know, I had the call in to become a, a nurse and a midwife, uh, obviously quite an early call in there. Um, we recruit, recruit young. <laughs> so I left St. Helens, which is where I was born. Best rugby league team, just get that in there. Um, and I came to Derby and um, I, I came to Derby because they did direct entry midwifery. And uh, I actually ended up doing my nurse training, which I'm really glad I did. I loved my nurse training made some exceptionally close friendships, um, a friend of which I, I currently am friends with. She was my mentor when I was a student nurse. And, you know, she's been somebody who's also been a really strong influence in, in my career. So and then, as you say, Sue, I went on to do my midwifery training um, and, uh, you know, I trained to be a midwife. I worked in a number of rotational posts but eventually found my place on Labour Suite, which I loved in part and care um, and uh, really passionate about newborn life support. And I went on to do my master's because one of the things I really found that being newly qualified was really quite difficult and quite stressful. Um, and I was really quite passionate to support those who also found it, you know, a quite stressful transition from being a, a senior student to being a junior midwife. Um, so I used some of my master's research. The trust were really receptive to some of the findings um, in how they could make their own preceptorship programme a little bit better. Um, and that's something that I, I think led me on to, to sort of becoming a Labour Street coordinator as well. And although I love being a Labour Street coordinator, an opportunity came up at the University of Nottingham to take on a practice health lecture role, which was a secondment where you work 50 percent of your time in practice and 50 percent of your time with the university uh, and that's when I got to meet some of these amazing people really and um, so I was really lucky you, you probably know some of these people by reputation and um, but I was really lucky to have someone called Maureen Rayner um, allocated to me as my mentor when I first came into education um, and I really have got Maureen to thank for really giving me a really good grounding and, and establishing uh, me as somebody who really wanted to be part of the education um, for midwives 
and Maureen was there to sort of support me and give me lots of opportunities, give me a really good taster in my secondment um, of uh, midwifery education. Um, and then I went on to apply for a substantive post um, and Maureen was still there to help support me and, and, and give me the sort of, you know, the, the sort of experiences and support when, it, when it's tough. Uh, you know somebody who to go to and, and be an ear as well as somebody that was a mentor and then you, you probably recognize some of these other people there who just really inspirational people so professor helen spivey who is i still get get chance to work with helen now helen was our um uh, head of midwifery uh, for quite some time and and helen's just been an incredible support as well as being very inspirational and um, you know her compassion her warmth and her you know her real sort of passion for for sort of research and how that can sort of really support midwives support women has been something that you know is really um really strong and it really helps support you as an educator as well so um you know she's been great and julia allison is somebody that you may have heard of as well julia was a, one of our honorary assistant professors and was part of our module team and i think julia was somebody that really taught me that it doesn't matter how old you get um, and I'm sure she won't mind me saying that, but, you know, that to really just continue that drive and that passion. And Julia's done a lot of, of work in looking at, um, you know, midwives from the past, um, you know, and sort of dispelling some of the myths around how midwives were perceived. And then there's Dennis, who I'm sure you also know by reputation, uh, another person who's been quite a strong influence in some of my, my sort of my, my teaching and some of the learning that I've done throughout my education. So, um, and... Phil Ray, so the, the, the thing that all of those midwives have in common, and um, Phil isn't a midwife, but it's just a real passion and enthusiasm um, for, for research, for midwifery education, and how that can be used to support midwives, to support women, um, you know, so midwives can advocate for women in their choices. But moving into education was quite was was quite a challenge. So um, Phil Ray is somebody who doesn't know me. Um, Phil is a retired lecturer, actually, but he's somebody that I've, I've watched and listened to a lot in how to make myself a better educator, um, particularly around assessment, which uh, I'll come on to in a little while. So the thing you need to know is that when I came into to, to education, I've been in clinical practice for about 20 years. So it was very, um, it was very steep, the learning curve for me, particularly when COVID hit. But um, there are lots of social and political challenges and it's very different to the NHS. Um, you know, my relationship with my students became different. I wasn't a mentor anymore. I, I was an educator. But that did really afford me the opportunity to really get to know my students really well and offer sort of pastoral support. Um, a contentious thing is the finances. So as you know, students have to pay fees now um, in order to train to be midwives. And that is quite a contentious subject. But it also can, can mean that students face some quite significant financial hardships. So that's something where the pastoral support really does sort of have a really big umbrella sort of uh, effect. And the other thing I was really nervous about, I was really comfortable assessing students in clinical practice. But when it came to assessing students, when it came to the theoretical side, it was an area that I felt most vulnerable and exposed because it wasn't something that I felt really confident with. And, and Maureen got me doing lots of shadow marking. She she was somebody that, um, you know, was a really good encourager in sort of like, you know, you know, going with what I thought, but also following following some of the guidance. Um, and that's where Phil Race came back in. I've heard him talk quite a few times now, and he talks a lot about assessment and student feedback and how a lot of the time students don't often read their feedback. They just look at the grade. So I've worked really hard to see how student feedback not only can feed into my um, the way I give feedback 
to students in their assessments and how they can do better, but also how that feedback can feed into my own style of education, um, you know, to make that better and easier for students. And then really another big passion of mine is women-focused education. So the steep learning curve is when you move into education, you lose that, women, that, that woman contact that you were so very used to. Um, but I've been really lucky to work in a couple of roles where I've been sort of part of like public engagement into education, where women, you know, we can really pull them into that sort of, you know, designing, the, helping us design the curriculums, you know, helping us with recruitment of our student midwives. Um, and really just getting them to sort of, you know, step into the classroom and help us with some of our educational resources as well. Um, and that's been really rewarding, I have to say. So the big question is, what about maintaining clinical practice? Well, for me, this was something that was really difficult. And it was it, when I took a substantive post, I knew that I was going to have to sort of step out of clinical practice full time. But um, I did try to maintain that. I, for about two years, I went into clinical practice and worked and continued to work as a labour suite midwife but it got really quite challenging and trying to maintain all the mandatory training etc was 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 quite overwhelming because the job in education is so big and there isn't really anyone to hand those things over to it, it, you kind of carry that workload yourself so I found it very difficult um, and this is where I spoke to a lot of my colleagues about that you know um, certainly people like Helen was um, I, I borrow a quote from Helen Spivey about this and and it's, you know, even though I'm an educator now, if you put me down the middle like a bar of rock, it would still say midwife inside. And I do borrow that from Helen quite a lot now. But um, I, I am sort of I'm content with my role as an educator now, but I do miss clinical practice. And career opportunities and progression. So the one thing you need to think carefully of is planning it. So I had to take a step down in my salary when I came into education um, and that's taken a while to get back to the level um, that it was at uh, when I left. But the opportunities are really self-limiting. You know, I've had some fantastic opportunities. I've had some collaboration with the Netherlands. I've been over there to do a couple of their conferences. Um, we, we, one of our module teams won a Lord Deering Award, which is a little bit like a mini Oscars for the university. And um, the wonderful Mandy Wayne, who you're about to hear now, we've done some really good dissemination of our work. So we're, we're a, bit of, a bit of a YouTube hit on some of the obstetric emergencies that you might see. But also the opportunities for supporting students and getting them awards and getting them nominated for some of the RCM stuff too. And finally, this is what it's all about. So the people that do continue to inspire me is I work in an amazing team of other midwifery tutors and uh, midwifery researchers. And I feel really lucky about that because we get to support these guys out there and, and get to the end of their programme. And some of our students sacrifice such a lot and they, 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 they've got that passion to want to come and be midwives. And I wish you could see some of that because it would make you so proud that our profession has got these amazing people coming into it who really do want to make a difference um, for women. So when we get to this day, they're often at graduation, they've been um, qualified for about six months and in their jobs. So we get to share some of this celebration time with them that they've got to the end of that really long journey. Um, and that is an exceptionally rewarding part of being a midwifery educator. And I think we're going to take questions afterwards. Is that right, Sue? Yes, it is. Yeah. <laughs> so I was just switching my mute off. We're doing all the technical fun of this. So if you have some questions for Joe, if you start putting them in now, they can get they'll because sometimes it takes a little while for them to come through. Brilliant. Yeah, thank you. I'm There's just... also a few things on there as well, Sue. I just wanted to point out that I wrote the article around the transition. That's got a bit more detail in it for anybody who might be tempted 
please feel free to read that <laughs> and, and that's I mean that's fabulous and, and I was just because because that's one of the Joe did a really really good article in the um, British Journal of Midwifery wasn't it and this is on, and I, sh I should have just reminded people who are watching that there is um, the usual resource sheet with a few little references for things that you might find interesting and useful uh, to access after this. But again, if you've got if you've got some questions, get them ready, and we'll look forward to having those come through. So thank you so much, Joe, for sharing some of the issues. Um, that you've you've met, but and especially the sort of transition, being you know clinical, and then suddenly you're in academia with a different focus. You're still there, ultimately, I guess, for mother and baby, really. But it's through the students, so it's it's a slightly different uh, perspective. So thank you for that. Well, we'll move on to Mandy, or I should say Amanda Wayne. <laughs> um, Mandy qualified as a midwife in 2007 she's also an assistant professor at the University of Nottingham and her areas of expertise are within interpersonal care as well and bereavement care she was also uh, previously a supervisor of midwives and, and she's a midwife, midwifery practice learning and clinical skills lead for the BSc ONS midwifery degree and leads the year three practice course advancing uh, midwifery practice she's also course lead for the professional midwifery advocate cpd module and a link tutor to nottingham university trust also so thank you very much for coming mandy this evening and welcome and the screen is now yours ah. Thank you, Sue. And again, thank you for the opportunity to, to join tonight. All right. So um, I'm going to tell you about uh, a fantastic opportunity that, that I had, um, which was to do some collaborative work with um, um, the, um, in the Association of the um, Indonesian uh, Midwives, um, a group of educators in, in Indonesia. Um, and this was um, a uh, collaborative development of a um, BSc midwifery program, uh, which was going to be implemented in Indonesia. And it was a real opportunity to sort of demonstrate how, um, as educators, we can be involved in international consultancy and looking at collaboration and partnerships with um, global educators, really, which really goes to improve um, sort of midwifery education across the world. So this was part of an initiative that we were working on, um, and I was very, very honoured to be involved in. So I'll just give you a little bit of background about it then. So started probably back in about 2017 um, and this was before I was involved in, in this but we first um, our team had a visit first of all to Indonesia um, and that was to discuss the potential for a future collaboration with the Association of the Indonesian Midwifery Educators um, and their title is, is written there in, in, in Indonesian for you but it was abbreviated to APEKIND and this was in order to develop a professional midwifery BSc degree program, which could be implemented across Indonesia. So the initial um, team from from our, um, from our from our team who went out to Indonesia. 
that was uh, Professor Helen Spivey. Um, it was uh, Dr. Kim Russell. It was uh, Associate Professor um, um, Louise Walker and another member of the School of Sci uh, Health Sciences. And they went out to, to Indonesia just to do some sort of exploration about the potential whereby we could get involved in um, collaborating with them to, to write a degree programme for them. So that happened sort of back uh, initially in 2017. And then in 2018, um, by which time uh, Kim Russell then had actually written the programme and she had written a five-year degree programme, which uh, then would be implemented in Indonesia. Um, I was given the opportunity then to accompany Kim back to Indonesia to facilitate a series of workshops, uh, which were to midwifery educators from all across Indonesia in association with Aitkind. Um, and, you know, this, this consisted first of all of like three days of workshops in Jakarta. And then we flew down to uh, Surabaya and, you know, there were further discussions um, about sort of regarding maybe a, a potential master's program as well. And then after that, I was again very, very lucky to be given the opportunity to go back the following year, this time with another colleague of mine, Dr. Maria Pearson. And again, uh, by which time now, as I say, the programme had been written um, and we went back out in June 2019. And this programme then was going to be started to be implemented in um, universities across Indonesia in September of that same year. So the idea was then that we were going out to facilitate workshops to the midwifery educators to prepare them how to deliver the first year of their degree programme. So just to give you a little bit of background really about Indonesia then, so uh, I've got a map of Indonesia here and you can, you know, Indonesia is made up of sort of thousands and thousands of islands. There are over 6,000 inhabited islands and the main islands really are those of sort of Sumatra, Java, Borneo and, and New Guinea. Um, so we were based in Java, so, um, you know, our, our sort of... Um, our sort of conferences, etc., were held in Jakarta. And as I say there, you can see that we also travelled down to the bottom of Java there and also visited Erlanga University in Surabaya. To put some contents, uh, context from Indonesia to the UK, so the Indonesian population is around about sort of 257.5 million people compared to the UK population of about sort of 65.5 million people. There are probably 325,000 midwives in uh, practicing in, in Indonesia compared to a UK population of about 30,000 midwives. However, putting it further into context, the maternal mortality rate in Indonesia is around about 126 per 100,000 live births. And that is compared to a UK maternal mortality rate of around eight women per 100,000 live births. So there was a real drive, I think, by the Indonesian government also to sort of improve midwifery education so that they could improve outcomes also for, for women and, and their babies across Indonesia. And currently midwives then could um, obtain a registration by completing either a three-year degree diploma um, in midwifery or a five-year professionally midwifery programme. And the Indonesian um, government supported around about 850 public and private institutions that were offering um, midwifery education across, across Indonesia. 
So what was the professional midwifery um, degree then? So the programme was a five-year programme and it consisted then of um, four years theory and there were four modules per year. So there were three theory modules and then also a clinical skills module um, as well. And during that year, then the students also had opportunity to undertake some insight visits into sort of the clinical settings where they could sort of um, accru accrue around about sort of 200 hours hours of sort of clinical teaching experience and then their final year is a internship year so they spend the whole year then in hospital sort of consolidating um, that sort of theory to practice in preparation for qualifying. So the first time we went out then, as I say, the, the programme had been written, but we weren't going out really just to sort of facilitate um, some workshops, really, just to give a practical guide to um, midwifery educators and to help them sort of think about how they could develop sort of theory modules then. So we had around about sort of 200 midwifery educators who joined us in Jakarta. Um, and we hosted over the course of three days a series then of different um, workshops. Um, and these included teaching them about sort of module leadership, how they would can uh, how they could plan a module, a theory module, the sort of content that they needed to sort of think about to put in that module, how to timetable, how to think about assessments as well. So traditionally in Indonesia, the students really um, sort of all, only did exams. Okay, so, you know, a whole new concept really in, in, in our programme was that to introduce them to different ways of assessment. So that included sort of, um, you know, OSCEs, which are sort of clinical examinations um, and different types of, of um, you know, of assessment, you know, essay writing and also exams as well. So we were sort of introducing new concepts to them. The other thing that we were introducing to, to them was the concept of reflection. Now, as midwives, we reflect on a daily business, uh, a daily basis. You know, we reflect all the time, um, and reflection is an integral part of, of our degree course at, at Nottingham. Um, our students sort of um, are continually sort of reflect on on practice and provide evidence sort of in in their practice um, of that reflection. And obviously, as practicing midwives as well, part of revalidation is all about being able to sort of reflect on your practice and to learn from your practice practice to, to improve your practice for the future. Um, and a big part of the new um, professional midwifery advocate role, again, is to do this sort of facilitated practice uh, reflection as well, um, you know, to, to adopt like a, a restorative approach. So reflection was a really, really new concept to the uh, Indonesian ed educators. So we, we did a workshop about that as well. And as I say there, there was the OSCEs as well, which we were teaching them to do. So a lot of what I've got on here is just some photographs, really, to show you because, you know, they're, they're, they're much more interesting to look at sometimes, I think. So the first in photograph we've got on the, the top left-hand side, um, this was myself and, and Kim, and this was the sort of on our first day. We arrived sort of Saturday night, and on the Sunday afternoon, then we, we had a briefing meeting. And the team that you can see behind us were the Apekind uh, education team. So these are really sort of key people that have been involved 
with sort of implementing this midwifery program. Um, the lady's just sat behind me here. This is Mrs. Jumiani, um, sort of well into her 70s, this lady. She's an incredibly inspiring woman and has a real drive to improve midwifery education. Yeah. And then we have Mrs. Yeti sat, sat beside her. And then just sat here beside um, Kim was um, an educator called Deezer. And Deezer had done the master's programme at the University of Nottingham. So that was that was one of the ways that, that we got involved in it, really, because, you know, um, you know, she'd, she'd been to Nottingham and, and was inspired by, by the programme that we offered. This was the hall itself. So, you know, we were in a, we were in a hotel and this was the sort of conference hall that we were, we were, we had with the, um, with the uh, delegates as well. And then this is some of the examples of the workshops. So what we did, we split everybody up into sort of groups and then, you know, we, we came around and facilitated the workshops with them. And we also had one of the education team as well aligned to each of the groups as well. So they could help with, you know, stuff that sometimes might have got lost in translation, for instance, and just sort of helped to, to facilitate the workshops. This one down here is all about sort of the OSCEs. And we, we were looking at sort of newborn life support. And then the picture in the middle is when we went down to Surabaya and we, we visited the university there. So this was some student midwives that we we were lucky enough to meet and then the final picture on this slide really is when we were um, when sort of Kim in particular was in discussions with the team at Surabaya about the master's program and one of the things of, of note here is that you know there the, the three gentlemen that you can see on here are sort of three obstetricians and they were running the midwifery program so you know quite different to what we have over in the UK where our midwifery program is run by midwifery educators you know, midwives, you know, it's a bit of a difference over there that it was run by obstetricians. So the second time we went out then, this was our sort of project team. So Kim Kim had sort of worked actually on, on the um, sort of um, programme that we were going to do. And then myself and Maria went out. And as you can imagine, there was an incredible amount of work that went in involved before we went out, you know, to actually plan this these sort of workshops and, and to plan the programme and to sort of send it across to, uh, to Indonesia before we came. So the idea was that we were going to be in lecturers with that knowledge and skills to be able to um, support the running of the first year of their programme. So we had five days this time in Jakarta. So day one was all about sort of learning how to look at modules, different modules and how to plan those, how to timetable on day two, how to plan teaching and different learning activities on day three. Day four was all about how to introduce blended learning activities, so different styles of teaching. And then day four, was really teaching them how to mark essays and to look at assessment because as I say you know the students don't write essays or hadn't weren't writing essays at that point so we actually had to teach the uh, educators how to mark an essay as well so so this was um, our second trip round, and this was just a briefing meeting the day before. This was Sunday afternoon of the second time, and that's myself and Maria. And you can see the same team again from Aitkind were, were helping to facilitate this with us. So the first day then, okay, was all about module planning. Okay, so as I say, we were looking at introducing modules to them. So what we did, we put everybody in groups, and they stayed in their groups all week. And so we put them into a module team. 
and we had the curriculum and they all had copies of sort of the, like the written curriculum and all the different modules that, um, you know, were in year one. And we gave them each a module. We gave them a theory module. And the idea was by the end of the week that they were going to be able to sort of plan how to implement that particular module. So they had to pick a module lead. They had to think about what members of the team would be doing in their different sort of roles and responsibilities. And they had to look at what the content was and think about how they were going to map that content um, and how they were going to sort of deliver that module. We had to get them to think about assessment and we had to think about as well, you know, was the assessment right for the module? Was it constructively aligned? Would the assessment meet the learning objectives for that module? So all these new concepts that we were bringing into them to try and, and help them develop. Um, and also, you know, they had to produce a module handbook as well. So, you know, there were lots of us going around and facilitating lots of presentations. They all had flip charts, post-it notes and everything. And, you know, and, and they all took time to sort of present back their findings. The second day was about timetablings. And now again, they had the same module, but now what we wanted them to do was to produce a six-week timetable for, for that particular module and to think about the different teaching methods that they were going to do and how we were going to link that content to the student learning, really. So again, a full day on, on sort of how to, how to prepare and to, to sort of plan timetabling. Uh, always a little bit of social in between as well. And we were lucky when we were there. So Mrs. Jumiani, who's in the middle here, it was her birthday on this particular day. So um, we had a little celebration for her at lunchtime, you know, and, and she, as I say, such an inspirational lady. So, you know, there was, it was very, very hard work. We, we, we the modules, uh, the, the workshops ran from like eight till five. So very, very long days. And obviously, you know, we spent time in the evening sort of reflecting on what we'd done and then prepping the next day. But we were very, very well looked after as well you know and this was just one example where you know they uh, of their hospitality they were so so generous and really really looked after us so we ate an awful lot of lovely food while we were over in Indonesia so day three then so again another full day so now we're working on so we'd planned the module we'd gotten to timetable so now what we're thinking about is different ways of teaching different teaching methods um, so we were trying to introduce them to different types of teaching so again traditionally they've done a lot of behaviorist sort of teaching where you know there might have been in the form of like a lecture where you know the educator stood and sort of talked at the students so we were we were trying to bring in different ways of teaching so some lectures seminars you know much more student involvement workshops we also were introducing them to the concept of doing sort of online learning as well so whereby you know they could sort of um, access lots of online resources so this was something that we were sort of um, involved in sort of sharing some of the resources that we'd worked on at Nottingham and showing them really just how you know that could sort of really enhance the students student experience as well. Um, so we sort of shared examples of what we'd done. And again, we're just getting them to sort of think about different ways and innovative ways of teaching. Um, day four was about blended learning. So blended learning um, is very much, again, where, you know, the students are encouraged to do some learning before they come to the session. Again, that might be by looking at an online resource or going through, you know, different, different resources to prepare them for a session and then actually coming into class and then discussing that sort of session and then sort of moving on from that and, and sort of further sort of developing that, that particular concept of, of the session. So we then shared examples 
of our blended learning resources you know and, and our program at the minute has has everything is has blended learning attached to it so we have an incredible bank of online resources that us as staff has, have devised okay um, and a lot of these are now open and available to share on open access so if you if you go through the open access YouTube channel you'll be able to see all of the resources that the University of Nottingham have and there are lots of stuff on there on YouTube um, on the YouTube channel of all our team really that we've done these resources so we shared them with the with the Indonesian midwives as well you know and they were they were quite blown away at some of the stuff that we did and that was available to our students um, so you know it was it was just another thing to, to sort of think about that they probably haven't hadn't done at that sort of point um, and we were talking about how we could introduce that blended learning package into a module and how to to, to you know to make that work and then the final day of the assessment then of the workshops was was on assessment um, so this was really getting them to think about sort of assessments and how to define that and what its purpose was in education um, and also then to sort of highlight the different um, assessment strategies that, that were within this um, professional midwifery program and also to look at criteria marking criteria so that they were able to sort of look at how that how that works and how that sort of influences assessment then so what we did was we took out some um, student work and we gave them some reflective essays to look at and again you know reflection was a new concept so we were, we were giving them a selection of different essays and we we asked them to mark them so we gave them the grading criteria and we asked them to mark the essays and then you know um, got them to sort of share what what they thought um, afterwards then so you know it was it was um, it was a really good sort of exercise and and both Maria and I did sort of sessions as well interspersed with these workshops so I, I did them a session on reflection um, and Maria um, she, she has just completed her doctorate and her doctorate was all about sort of compassion in midwifery practice um, and you know the, the values of compassion are very much integrated in our midwifery program and Maria did a, a lovely session on all about sort of compassion you know how, how if we can't be compassionate to ourselves and, and as an education team, how can we then sort of inspire students to go on and be compassionate to women? So there's a big sort of focus um, on, on that aspect as well then. Um, so that was sort of the focus of the workshops. And as I say, you know, um, in between these, you know, we, we were well looked after. And sometimes it didn't always go to plan because we had a schedule to, to, to stick to. But, you know, some, some afternoons they might say to us, can you change tomorrow? And, you know, and, you know, we'd already done all the planning for this, you know, so we had to be sort of quite adaptable sometimes, you know. So it did involve Maria and I sort of working quite late sometimes into the evenings just to sort of prep for the next day and again, sort of reflecting on what we done. So thinking about future initiatives then, okay, so, you know, at the time we went out to, to um, sort of help them to implement the first year of the programme and there was talk at the time as to whether or not we might have gone out again at some point to you know to develop sort of years two and three and then of course obviously the whole world stopped with with COVID and the pandemic um, but what is really really exciting now is that there are future initiatives and actually because of the collaboration that um, we we've done with midwifery and and you know those those great steps that they had had taken 
taken really. Midwifery actually was really sort of um, leading really in, in, with this with the university and there's now a further collab collaboration which is going to be taking place. A colleague Louise is actually going back out to Indonesia um, in a couple of weeks time but this time she's going with people from, from different faculties at Nottingham as well. You know Nottingham has a huge global profile um, but you know um, we've got sort of faculties such as engineering going out and that really sort of raises the, the sort of game but it puts midwifery on the gap on the map actually because you know we've already done some pioneering work to to influence sort of education in, in Indonesia already so it's really now quite inspiring that the other parts of the university are getting involved in going out to do sort of initiatives in in Indonesia as well one of the things that uh, Louise now is going out to do is actually to collaborate with the same team on introducing a master's program in Indonesia as well. So that's where we're at with that. So it's been a wonderful experience to be involved in and, you know, an opportunity that I wouldn't have had in clinical practice. You know, this is this is something that midwifery education has, has allowed me to do. Um, and never in my wildest dreams did I think I'd get an opportunity to go twice to Indonesia and just to experience um, that wonderful experience that we had out there. So that is my presentation. So thank you and I'm happy to take any, any questions as well. Fabulous, Mandy. Thank you so Stop much. There in there. <laughs> That's fabulous. Thank you. I mean, it's, it's quite interesting when you were saying about you wouldn't have got that opportunity if not in education. It's As you were talking, I was thinking it would be really interesting to do a very joint uh, education and practice visit because I know when I've done international work myself, there's quite a balance to get those two together mm -hmm. wherever you go. So that was really, that was really very interesting. And but I know that the projects like this are very exciting. Mm -hmm. I think you, um, I'm, I'm very aware when you say you're working close into the night, this is one of the things about international work. It's wonderful. It's exciting. And it's fantastic to meet midwives from, other countries but boy do you work long hours oh yes <laughs> and the preparation beforehand as well weeks and weeks of preparation absolutely yes, absolutely when you're there as well yeah and the, and the time goes flies by <clears throat> anyway we have some questions coming through and the first one and I'm not sure I think it could be either of you that might want to answer this <laughs> is from Begum Begum I hope I've pronounced your name correctly and she says hi all after bachelor which band level are midwives starting to work in the NHS? I think that's a band five level. Isn't yes, it? yeah. Because yeah, because mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, I'm aware that we, there's a whole process, isn't there? Mm -hmm. I'm talking to preceptor um, experts here. <laughs> well, the, the band five profile on Agenda for Change, it recognises that midwives do have a higher degree of autonomy. So the band five role is generally a probationary role and that the progression up to band six will be quite quick. And lots of trusts, usually in their preceptorship programme, they look at how they can support midwives when they first qualify to progress through that, that, that preceptorship period up to band six. Um, so, and that is acknowledged in Agenda for Change, which is understanding sort of uh, guidance. Yes, it's usually about it. It's usually anything from six months to a year, isn't it, Jo? Yeah, it's usually. It's, yeah. I think most most midwives aim to do it within a year, mm -hmm. so, but there are some that, that sort of do it a little bit quicker and a little bit longer if they're perhaps part time, maybe. 
Fabulous. So I hope that answers the question, Begum. So you can move fairly quickly, but it's quite a supported process. And it means you're gathering skills as you go. So I've got a question for Mandy now from Mariana. Hi, Mariana. Hi, Mariana. And she says, do you use problems learning, problem learning solving? I think you it probably has come, come out problem solving learning as a teaching method in midwifery. Um. Yes, I mean, you know, especially as you sort of move, I think, towards sort of postgraduate education as well. There's a lot of there's a lot of that, but it, it is involved in sort of the undergraduate curriculum as well. Okay, but um, I think more when when you're looking at sort of maybe um, continued professional development or sort of postgraduate teaching in particular, um, because those midwives come into that with such a wealth of experience and such a you know wealth of knowledge already you can really sort of utilize that a little bit more and, and and share sort of experiences so you know it's quite quite often then you can you can sort of focus on 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 a problem or a particular topic and and work from that so you know we we we, we use it within undergraduate but probably more i would say in um sort of postgraduate education and i'm aware some i mean i'm aware myself at some universities aren't so keen on the word of problem solving mm. it's more about um case-based or scenario based. yes yeah, yeah. because i think I, I mean i'm aware midwives love stories <laughs> and also if you can make something come alive and i know as a, a clinical midwife teaching someone through a story and you know what happens next mm -hmm. is always very interesting for students so thank you for that it's grand mm -hmm. And now I've got a question here. Again, another one for Mandy. You're doing better. Okay. <laughs> and this is from Diane. Hi, um, Diane. <laughs> and Diane Garland. Hi, Diane. Hope you're well. And she says, what did you find the biggest cultural difference? Oh, one, cultural. yeah, absolutely. <laughs> And you can't say the food because that was delicious. That, yeah, absolutely. That was really, really delicious. Um mentioned there as well that the um you know the the education team at one of the universities is sort of led by obstetricians okay and i think that is a big cultural difference there you know you it's it very sort of patriarchal society maybe in some respects as well okay so that that was that was you know a, a bit of a cultural difference there and I, probably probably the main one but you know um overall the 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 sort of support we got from from everybody that we were out there you know it was just it was just amazing it was just amazing to see we're actually treated a bit like superstars I've never had so many <laughs> selfies taken in my life where everybody wanted a selfie with you and, and things like that but yeah it was it was sort of quite noticed I think when we went down to Erlanger um you know there there were sort of differences there and you know it was it was you know not not challenging but you you could see that that was sort of a bit more of an influence from sort of an obstetric-led university rather than a midwifery mm. perspective. Fabulous, thank mm. you. Okay, we'll get on to the next one. I've got uh, Rachel Mafanza. Hope I've pronounced your name correctly, Rachel. And um, and she says I have a diploma in registered nurse midwifery and a degree in public health from Texila American University. Can I do a master's in midwifery? Well, is that one for Joe? One, isn't it? Um, I'm I, to be honest with you, I think that's something that she would have to sort of contact the um, the course leads to look at. Um, you know, without really knowing sort of the background to some of her, uh, you know, uh, sort of educational background. 
Mm. If you're ever unsure, and this probably goes for anybody who's got qualifications and they're just not quite sure if it's going to fit the profile, it's always best to sort of contact the course lead um, because then they can look at some of your um, of your educational qualifications and just go through that with you so that they can you know give you some really sound advice so I'm sorry if that doesn't answer your your question very well Rachel but I think you know our course leads are always really happy to look at um Mm. you know individual cases to to give them the right advice yeah because often you can get credits for things you've done before absolutely depending on that there's a there's a, a special whole um format for this of measuring each country's wherever you wherever you are we can measure qualifications throughout but there's always a a possibility of getting little credits for everything you've done so nothing's wasted always very important okay thank you very much Sean. good answer (laughs) (laughs) and then I've got Lou who says I've been working as a midwifery lecturer at the University of Surrey for the past six months we're a military family relocating to Grantham in July so I've left the role I loved working in academia, but the peripatetic nature of my husband's job is very limited, limiting. I think I may have to go back to clinical. I've just funded my PG cert. Well done. Well done, Lou. I complete next week. Yay. I don't think I'll be able to use it. I'm sure you will, Lou. This isn't forever, remember. Um, I'm exploring other options, but no education is where I want to be. Oh, this is music to our ears, Lou. Do you know of any supply bank lecturers? And I think I'll start with Joe, but I might move on to Mandy for that one. <laughs> That's a really, really good question. Fab I don't question. Think that we, yeah, it is. And I think, Lou, it's, it's an interesting one. I don't think we necessarily have like a bank system for education. We certainly don't in our university, and it would be unfair to sort of represent all universities in that. Um, but we do have some jobs um, being advertised. Oh, yeah. So, um, <laughs> it's always worth consulting me at the, the website. to have yeah. a go. Um, But it's lovely to hear that you've still got your passion for education. And, you know, and actually, I think that, you, you know, your husband's peripatetic job is probably quite a good opportunity because you probably get to see midwifery in lots of different, um, you mm. know, uh, regions. And it is it is quite different. So, you know, I would encourage you to keep keep pursuing that educational hat because I think that once you've got that, passion for it and that drive for it you know the opportunities are really um are out there Mm. fabulous how about mandy would you add anything um only only really to sort of say i mean we we do have um people who sort of come in just to support our teaching as well you know we use clinicians obviously who support Mm. it and you know there could be opportunities to to explore that as well Um, you know and so I would just sort of say, you know, look to where your local universities are and, and get in touch with the midwifery team. But yeah, if um, if you're not too far from Nottingham, have a look on our website <laughs> at the moment because there's some there's just... some interesting posts out. We've got a Clint, we've got one which will appeal to midwives <laughs> who perhaps don't want to take the full plunge into education. Oh. It's more of a clinical skills role so it's sort of working with the clinical skills team but you'll be aligned to the midwifery team so for those midwives who are perhaps thinking about oh. dipping their toe in the water but not wanting to take that full plunge but that might be something that, that also suits um, suits you as well I think these days that's a little bit of recruitment there well, that's absolutely. It's, it's a very good illustration <laughs> actually thank you Mandy because it's a good illustration there's lots of possibilities nowadays mm. for midwives and, and especially in education and a PG is never wasted because oh. the mid and I think Joe and and Mandy were very uh, 
humble or uh, you know they were quiet about the the skill set but it's a different skill set in education and having that theory behind it and the skills never wasted anyway but please don't give up Lou don't give up the teaching we need good teachers okay and we have I think this has to be our last question because the hour is nearly over (laughs) and that's Claire Dale hi Claire Um, For those of us who are mature students, I don't think that mature, Claire, Mm -hmm. and coming into the career with less available years, do you think it's hard to move up the ladder and move into advanced roles? I notice that many higher band midwives have been in the role for many years. Good question, Claire. Mm. Where should we start? I I don't (laughs) think age is is a barrier. I I was was 32 when I did my midwifery training. You know, it's never too late to do your training. You know, it's just got to be the right time for you. And And I just think the opportunities in clinical practice you know are there aren't they and uh, you know it just it just depends how where you want to go as well I suppose it depends which direction you want to go in as well you know if you if you want to stay as a clinical midwife there's lots of opportunities whether you want to go into research or you know different different fields really but uh, I just think it you know once you've got through that sort of transition and that preceptorship I think you just need to identify the the sort of pathway that you want to take and then look at those opportunities. But I don't think age is ever going to be a barrier at all. You know, it's, um, you know, if you've got a passion for midwifery, it's never too late to, to you know, to embrace it and to start your training. So we'd welcome you. <laughs> well, I think she's done her training. I think it's the yeah, further yeah. steps on. Yes. All right. Yeah. I would just agree with that yeah. what Mandy said really Claire I think you know I, I've, I've spent a lot of time recently talking to students who've come into their training as mature students I've got opportunities where they want to they know exactly where they want to go and, and some of them are really quite quite bold about it because they'll say look I haven't got as much time to spare I really want to get to this you know it's such an exciting time to come into midwifery because there are such a lot of specialist roles and other areas of interest like Mandy was saying so um you know I wouldn't let that stand in your way um you know set your sights on where you want to get um, and and perhaps find somebody that you can speak to that's going to help you to support you to get to that point because having having a, a sort of career mentor if you like is, is often quite helpful and they'll help you to look at things that you might not have thought of that'll help you to get to the place where you want to be and that's a fabulous idea having a career mentor mm-hmm. we did I mean we talked a little bit last week about pathways and planning and I think you've both really illustrated the pathway and really in action so thank you so much for coming this evening and sharing your experience and expertise it's been fantastic and as I always say this hour goes too fast just too fast but we have to come to an end which is really sad but as I always say when we try to get our guests come back and back and back and we love these speakers don't we (laughs) so thank you very much thank Thank you you. very very much now I'm going to just remind people next week um, we're going to have a developing a perinatal pelvic pelvic health service so look out for that. Same time, same place. Um, 8th of June, look out for the personalised maternity care building on Ockenden. It's got a stellar cast. We've got Baroness Cumberledge, Dr. Claire Feely, Brendy Kelly, Maria Booker, Joe Crawford, Anna, May- Anna Maidley, and uh, even Benish Nazneen and Chris Binney so that'll be a really good event on the 8th of June and then if you want to come to the next festival in Manchester and Joe is coming too 
and um, that's on the 21st of June. So you need to register for that. We've, we've got our usual um, uh, online and face-to-face, -face, our hybrid arrangements. So however you can attend, you can attend. And we'll look forward to seeing you there. We've also got Wales and the Southwest on the 13th of September. You've got your diaries out. And so there's lots going on. And there's also a student event coming up. Uh, also so look out for that so in the meantime I'll say another big thank you to Joe and Mandy for joining us and thank you too for joining us too and what, what fantastic questions and I understand Claire is in year two only a year to go Claire well done um, and we'll we'll see you next next week same place same time in the meantime stay safe look after yourselves and your loved ones and we'll see you next week